Welcome to Off Topic with Mike and JD. I'm still JD. And I'm still Mike. So you might be wondering why we're less colorful than usual today. Unless you listen to the audio version, then in which case you just miss a very good pun. But no, no, our budget hasn't been cut. You can't cut a budget of zero dollars. We tried. <laughs> no, we're in black and white because we wanted to get in the theme of the movie we're doing today. The Maltese Falcon. Yeah, so uh, originally our inspiration for this was uh, Citizen Kane uh, recently, even on the back of the uh, cover says, you know, the greatest movie of all time. Uh, recently lost its, its perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes thanks to a very, very late incoming review. Uh, so... That about got the us thinking about, about the Maltese Falcon. <laughs> which still has the perfect score. For now. We might ruin it now. We'll find out. Rotten Tomatoes counts random po podcasts to their score, right? Yeah. Certified uh, fresh. And for now. But, so, a little backstory about the Maltese Falcon. It's, it's based on it's based on a book and the classic version that we're going to be discussing, 1941 version, is actually not the first version. The, arguably, it's not even the second version of it. The first version came out back in 1931. Now, back then, they didn't, there was the Hayes Code that heavily censored what you could put in films wasn't around yet. So, it was, well, for the time, very risky. Like, they had characters who referred to each, who referred to another guy as his boyfriend, like a pretty cl clear picture of gay characters. So, so in 1936, when Warner Brothers tried to re-release the film, the Hayes Code was like, hell no. But of course they didn't use hell no because that was against the code, so like, heck no. But, and, so then instead they made a different version called Satan Meta Lady which was a comedic version, and from what I hear, absolutely terrible. But th then, in 1941, they decided to give it a proper remake, keep it with the ha Hayes Code, and that leads us to the film we're talking about today. Yeah, it's, it's interesting whenever a famous iteration of a film turns out to be a remake. I feel like yeah, that could be an almost its own episode of, of famous movies that are actually remakes of much, much older movies. Well, yeah, um, it's the same thing. Not to go too off-topic title job, but it's funny because you, you know how, especially in the 90s, it was a big thing when a popular movie came out to do a cheap knockoff version of it. Like, you know, E.T. famously had a knockoff Mac and Me. But ironically... Babe, you know, a classic film, actually came out after Corny, another film about a talking pig that was not a classic. And it's like, it's pretty ironic because most people would have thought, oh, they saw Babe and they were like, let's make the cheap knockoff of it. But, I mean, I can't say Babe was inspired by the other one. It's just kind of funny that it, it came out first. Yeah. 
Well, I, I do think it's interesting, and again, you know, getting off topic, but I, I do think it's interesting how uh, back, you know, back in the early Hollywood, it was almost a tradition, like it was expected that movies would be remade. That was just like, similar to how like, when, it, when you have a theatrical, you know, when you produce something on Broadway, you know, this isn't going to be the only Broadway show of this thing, you know, they're going to do multiple shows. You know, uh, that whole back, category of the Tonys. You know, back then it's just like, oh yeah, here's the Broadway melody. Yeah, let's just do that again. It wasn't like, mm. it wasn't considered as taboo as it is now. Of like, if you go back and you try to remake a movie, you know, that's considered a classic. Everyone's like, how dare you? How dare you try and remake The Wizard of Oz? How dare you? You know, but that, back, except back then it was. Is born. That's a movie that can be remade again and again, and everybody always loves it anyway. Even every version is considered a classic, yeah, and yet just, they allow it to be remade. That's like the that, one exception. That is very, that is very true. But anyway, on to you, on to the Maltese Falcon. Yeah, so let's get back classic, on topic. Classic, classic film noir. Um, mm. You know, one of the, one of my favorites of the genre, and just a really great movie. Yeah. Oh, by the way, we are going to spoil the movie, but it is 80 years old, so if you haven't seen it yet, that's kind of on you. Yeah, pause this episode, <laughs> go watch it, come back. It's on HBO Max. You're welcome. You can probably also get it at your library if, that, if they still exist. <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway. Okay, so you watched it? You're good now? Okay, so now, multi-style. Okay, it's classic... Um, starring Humphrey Bogart, who I've only ever seen him outside this film in Casablanca, but Casablanca is one of my favorite movies of all time, in a large part to do Humphrey Bogart, so, I, he's one, like, this is only the second time I see him, and he's one of my favorite actors anyway, though, because... You, have you ever, <laughs> you've never seen the original Sabrina? Nope. Is that the same thing that the, that the uh, witch... No, based no, on? no, no, oh, okay. it's a different thing. But no, no, like I said, I haven't seen him anything other than Casablanca. Roman Holiday, there's some, there's some good ones, you got, you got Oh, a, I know he's in a ton a, of amazing a, movies, okay. I just haven't gotten around to watching them. Hell, part of the reason why I said let's do this is, oh, well now I have no choice but to watch this movie. <laughs> so, but yeah, so, I mean... Well, Valencia, he really makes the movie for a large part. I mean, the script is right. good, but, like, his performance is just so yeah. great. And he kind of sets a lot of the tone of what would come to be the stereotypical tropes of the genre, you know, in terms of, like, what this, like, hard... I mean, not that there weren't detective stories before this, you know, that, that was, like, kind of a pulp era mm -hmm. thing, but he definitely brings a lot of that, like, stone-faced kind of uh, dis disattached, disaffected, uh, you know, detective yeah. in uh, which, Sam, Sam Spade. Yeah, which, going off that, actually, see, one of the problems I had to enjoy with this, I enjoyed the film, but one problem I had, it seemed so cliche and unoriginal to me, but, like, I had to remind myself, it's only, like, it was original at the time, the only reason why this seems so unoriginal now is because so many people have copied this movie. Yeah. Like, like I even saw an episode of, of, the, of the cop show Castle, 
where I'm like, I, I knew it was a noir-inspired episode, but until seeing this movie, I'm like, oh no, it's heavily based on on the Maltese Falcon, like. So yeah. that that's that's the problem with watching old movies now. They seem cliche because people copy their ideas. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, looking back, if you don't know sort of the context of a lot of films, like, that have been often homaged or aped in lesser films, you know, you you uh, you start to be like, hey, this is just kind of like a, a lame, you know, collection of tropes. But actually, it's, yeah. like, you know, inspired a lot of them. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a trope before this. Exactly. And again, like, you know, I'm sure, you know, looking back, a lot of these things are rooted in, like, radio and, and pre-film era ideas. But, you know, this was at least my first exposure to a lot of these things. You know, like, yeah. the idea of, like, the femme fatale character. Yeah. Um, mm. Which, that, that was something that I'm like, because I, I knew about the trope of the femme fatale, but... I find it interesting how they don't, like, it's, at the end of the movie, it's clear who the femme fatale is, but you, it's not clear until the end of the movie, because yeah. she's off, she's very much a damsel, like, you, she very much plays the part of a damsel in distress throughout the film until you realize, oh no, she's just a stone, a stone cold killer. Yeah, this, yeah, it's definitely not one of those movies where, like, it's clear who is pulling the strings like which is actually one of my favorite things about the movie is you can't really tell who's in control you know sometimes it seems like you know oh sam's got it all figured out but then you know uh you know then then, then one of the other villains will like you know you know chloroform him or like hit him on the back of the head yeah. or, you know it, it it's always kind of volleying back and forth who's the mastermind and who's you know falling into whose trap and yeah, and going off that, I, one of my favorite parts about it is, which is like something, it's almost like against the rules, but they did it anyway. We do not know the main character's motivations, his goals, or until the very end of the film. Like, like you, we don't know like what Sam Spade is trying to accomplish. Like, accomplish. like throughout the whole film, you're like, does he want the money? Does he want justice? Like, it's not until the fi finals, like. Even when he when he calls the cops on them, I was still like, "Oh, so wait, that's the route he's going." Like, yeah, I had no idea what what he was going to do. Like, and I think that's I think that's part of the the appeal is like you know maybe even Sam doesn't know what he's going to do until he actually does it. Yeah, because it's like, did he just want the money? Money? Did like like I said when he called the cops on? Did he? Do you, here's a good question. Do you think he actually loved her? Personally, I don't. But I, it's certainly, I, I could see an argument either way. See, I think he loved her in, in a sense. Like, I mean, it's hard to determine Sam's because he's such a bit of a but he almost seems like the kind of guy not capable of some, like, Deep love, like right. That's truly. that's sort of what I would. Yeah, I agree. So yeah. I think he loved her as much as he could. Yeah. Mm, which, which is not the same as you know actual love, but it's not nothing either. Mm. And then, 
See, well, one thing I found very interesting, though, was that in the, they tell us what the Maltese Falcon is in the opening call, it, even though um, Sam doesn't find out until, like, halfway through the movie what's it about. Yeah. Well, I mean, while we're on the subject, I would be remiss, so... Um my online screen name persona is uh, the MacGuffin guy in most places, and the Maltese Falcon is like the original MacGuffin. Like the twin, <laughs> other than like maybe later on the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. Like yeah. this is like the progenitor yeah. of the MacGuffin, the thing that everybody <laughs> wants. We all want the Maltese Falcon. Everybody wants the Maltese Falcon. Why? Who cares? We never even actually see the actual Maltese Falcon. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I'm a, l a little surprised that a MacGuffin is called a MacGuffin and not a Maltese or a Falcon. Like, like you would think yeah. it, it should have really got his name from this film because, like you said, it's, like, it's such an early example and such a perfect example of the MacGuffin. Like, like they, that was before I saw this film. The first time I learned about this film was when I was learning about what a MacGuffin was. Like they're like, well, the perfect example is the Maltese Falcon. Like, uh, it's a perfect example because I mean sometimes the MacGuffin is actually import important, but so often what the MacGuffin is is not at all important. It's just what motivates. It's just important how it motivates them. Right. Exactly. Uh, like, a lot of people try and point to, like, the Infinity Stones as, like, MacGuffins in Marvel movies. But actually, like, those are, I mean, while in a sense they're MacGuffins, like, they all actually do yeah. tie in specifically it's, to the story. Exactly, uh, yeah. The Multi-Falcon could be anything. It could just be a exactly. big old pile of money. <laughs> yeah, like, like I said, they, like, you could make the same film about a painting. Like, yeah. it could have, it could have really been anything. Thing. It was just something. <laughs> is that it, it? Just had to be something that everybody wanted. That's all is it matters about it. It was something that everybody in the film wanted to get their hands on, and then the ironic reveal at the end that it's not even the real Maltese Falcon. Yeah. Which I, I'm very curious. Like this big crime boss. I guess he's not as smart as he thought he was. Cause I saw that I knew what it was. Well. Apparently you didn't. You're just an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I do I... love... <laughs> but one oh, thing I love see. about him, I love... Uh, hey, let me just say that. I love how when he found out his fake, how well he took the news. I do love that. I'm like, oh, well, I'll keep looking for it now. I do love it. Like, that, that was actually kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I but, do feel like that was at least to an extent, like, a bold choice for the filmmakers of the time. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like... I mean, it definitely plays into the whole, like, life is meaningless kind of noir vibe of, like, it's all fake, it's all nonsense. But I do feel like if this film was made today, you know, it would be fake and everything would play out the way it was, but then there'd be, like, either a post credit scene or, like, close to the end, right before we cut to the black, like... Sam would like break open hit the floorboards in his apartment and like pull out the real Maltese Falcon and then it would like cut to credits. Like, I feel like that's like, you know, modern audiences I think would be upset with the lack of like satisfaction of like, oh, the, the, we never get to see the Maltese Falcon. Yeah. So I, I, 
I definitely appreciate that, like, oh, no, that was a fake, and there is no real, or, like, the real one could be, you yeah. know, completely other side of the world. It could be dead, it could be destroyed, whatever. Yeah. Well, I feel like what a lot of filmmakers would do nowadays, they would have it be in, like, an obvious place, like, like show where it is in this obvious place kind of thing, but nobody actually finds, like, they will view yeah. it to the audience where it is, but they wouldn't let the character. They still wouldn't let the characters have it. But yeah, yeah it's like, true. Like, <laughs> no, it's exactly. true. It, it's very brave not to show the audience even where exactly, it is. Exactly. Exactly. Or it would be like, oh, it turn out that like, you know, her her childhood nickname was the Maltese Falcon, and she's actually the Maltese Falcon, or something terrible like that. Well, yeah, films have done terrible twists like that. You know. The real Maltese well, Falcon can... was the friendship we made along the way. But you know what, actually though, you know what movie did basically that? Men in Black 2. Which is not a terrible movie because it is, it is a comedy after all. But I love Men in Black 2. Fight me. Yeah, the whole, the whole, no, no, it's a comedy, so it works. But if it was done as a dramatic film, it would not have worked. Oh, we need to find the key, the key. And it's like, oh, the key is your bracelet. No, the key is you. Yeah. Remember, they did that? I think it was yeah. Rosario Dawson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they wouldn't do that. Yeah. Oh, multi Falcons by nickname. <laughs> yes, but but yeah. So yeah, it's a it's a very brave film. The one thing I I, did, I kept having to pause the film, look up inflation inflation calculator. Okay, how much was two thousand dollars worth back then? Because like, because I'm like that okay, how much is much, <laughs> talking here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is. It is tough to, like, think when you watch old movies when they're like, I'll offer you $5,000. I'm like, and they're, like, aghast or whatever. You're like, was that, like, a million dollars? Or was that, like, a billion dollars? <laughs> and I, mean, I think it was, like, you know, like, I think, like, $5,000 back then is, like, $100,000. They're like, okay, yeah. so a good amount, but not, like, oh, I'm going to be the richest man on earth amount. Yeah, not like I'm set for life, but like, yeah. oh wow, that's a good amount of money. Yeah, exactly. So, so I, I like that. And one character who I felt like in the remake could be made to be the best character in the film is his secretary. Yes, I feel really? like you could do some good stunt casting with that character. And I just feel, I feel, feel like because like she. They do play off as, oh, she's pretty smart, smart, and she's pretty useful, like, useful, and I feel like if you want to, if you were doing a remake, you could make, expand on her usefulness, expand on her intelligence. I feel like she could, she definitely could have been, a, like, a much bigger character, character in a different movie kind of thing. Oh, totally. Who would you who would you cast as as uh, the lead if you were doing a remake today? I mean, she is just so hard to like think of who could do Humphrey Bogart better than Humphrey Bogart. Like, well, I mean, I'm not saying necessarily better. I mean, it could be a totally different yeah, interpretation. I, 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 of I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to think who. Hmm. Who can do that hard boiled? Hmm. Maybe. Well, he's a little bit old. He's a little bit too old for the part now. But I can see Tommy Lee Jones doing that. The just the completely indifferentness. Yeah, I can see that. Like I said, he's a little bit old for the part now, but I can definitely see him doing that. Just be, being the tough and 
not showing much emotion, who, who would you cast? That's tough. I might be a little stereotypical, but I could see, um... Oh. I lost it now. That guy with the face! Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> I could see Tom Hiddleston doing it. Yeah, potentially, he could do that. I don't... I don't know what you're playing, but I feel like he's... he's he does best when he goes a bit over the top. He's not really the best subtle act. Like... You gotta because you know he's a, he's yeah. a very subtle character. I mean, it might it's probably cheating to say DiCaprio, but I mean, I loved him in Shutter Island, and I felt like that's a similar kind of he could do that. Yeah, I could see him doing the subtleness, but I'm trying to think if I could think of anybody else. Nobody, nobody, like it's screaming to me off the top of my head. Who would you cast as a femme fatale? Mm, that's tough. After seeing Mink, I could see Amanda Seyfried playing that role. Like, before seeing Mink, if, you t I, if I heard her, I'd be like, her? She, she's a rom-com star. But after seeing her in Mink, when she played, you know, someone from that time, she showed that deep emotion. Mm. I, she showed that vulnerability. She, she, she really showed the vulnerability that, you know, you would need to play this part. Yeah. And so I, I could, like I said, after seeing her in Mink, I could definitely see her in in this part. I'm trying to think who else I could see. I could definitely see a, a Margot Robbie or um, yeah, you know, she, you know, it might be a bit too much range, but I could I could see like a, a Gal Gadot. Uh, no, she does not. She doesn't have the range, and also Gal Gadot can't do any accents other than her own. Well, I mean, I, you know, that's that's fine. I mean, you know. <laughs> It, it, it wouldn't fit, making it, giving her the Israeli accent. That, like, that was a joke about Wonder Woman, though, is that they had to give all the, all the other Amazons the same accent as her because mm. they couldn't do it. Like, we'll she's see. a good actress, but she just can't do accents. We'll see. Um, so, so you know, it, it, I, it'll be telling when, when uh, Death on the Nile comes out if, uh, you know, she's kind of expanded her, her range. But actually, the other problem with Gaga, it's it's too hard to find believe her vulnerable. Like she's too tough. See, I feel like I feel like she could do vulnerable. I feel like she could kind of kind of walk that line. I don't know. I haven't seen her. I haven't seen her in enough. But I, I feel I, like she could be a dark horse. I I feel like you need someone smaller, like someone less assuming, like someone who you picture as a damsel in distress, so that it's more the shock when you find out. Oh, she's not really damsel in distress. Hence, why I want the man to save free because she could definitely. I, I, you could see her playing the damsel in distress, but then she could also do the confidence one needed. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else I guess. I, I, I like Jennifer Lawrence a lot, and like I loved her in um, American Hustle. I thought she'd play that line. Showing that vulnerable side, but also showing that dark side. Hmm. I could be biased. I, I, don't, I don't like American Hustle that much. <laughs> but, oh, that's such a great movie, but that's another discussion. But, 
but yeah, uh, you know, she definitely, I, I definitely am, like, warming back up. I feel like I was overexposed to Jennifer Lawrence, and now I'm sort of, like, she's, you know, obviously she, she's been in less movies. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like I could totally see her in that role. Mm -hmm. But, but, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, in general, I'd be all for a remake. I feel like this, this is a good candidate for a remake because I feel like I yeah. haven't seen, like, a film noir movie. Like, I mean, I've seen a lot of spoofs and parodies, like Singing Detective and, and things like that, but I haven't seen a, aside from Shutter Island, which is the only example I can think of, and, and that's, what, 2009? Um, uh, and I'm not talking I, about... I, I, I don't, don't what about like, Sin City? Yeah, true, Sim City. Uh, although Sim City's like almost so over the top that it is a parody of itself. But it, 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 you're right; it is a it is a film noir for sure. Um, but I I would like to see kind of a return to that. I mean, there's a lot of like throwback gangster movies like um, yeah. gangster you know, the Irishman, Gangster Squad. You know, there's a lot of stuff like that. But I don't really. I kind of see that more as like a period drama than like yeah, because they don't really make it. They don't make it a noir style. Exactly, exactly. What's so that? I I want to I want to return to that. I hope. Yeah, like it's, I, it's kind of for the most part. It's kind of disappointed how, like a lot of genres have just died out. It's like, but why? Like, like you're making all these movies. Like, it's not like they're making less movies. They're making more movies than ever before. But, like, there's just some genres they're not really doing. Like, noir. You don't see that many spaghetti westerns anymore. Yeah, it's tough. I was going to say, there definitely are genres that you don't see a lot of anymore. Like, westerns, like you said. Yeah. Like, every western they do nowadays is, like, such a serious drama. Which, they're usually really good. But it's like... Still, like, they don't have any of those classic... I mean, it's not... That's like, why what I, I don't like about the evolution of filmmaking is that people, like, do new things, and then they feel, well, we can't go back now, I feel. Like. But I'm like, I'm all for new things, but you can also do the old things. Like, it's like... Like, I feel like... I don't know. I'm talking about, wait, they don't make films like they used to. It's like, but why not? Like, make films the new way... And but also make like old timey films. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think a great example of that is Knives Out, right? Like, when was the last uh, time we saw like an old timey mystery like whodunit so, film with like, such a good movie? And Ryan Johnson was like, "All right, I'm going to take like modern filmmaking and just do an old timey movie," and it was amazing. Yeah. and I'm, I'm like, exactly. somebody needs to do that. But for film noir. Yeah, and also another thing is musicals. Like, have you seen musical? The only like old timey happy musical that came out recently was The Greatest Showman. I know. Now every now, and I like and I like I love other music. I love La La Land, but that's such a it, like it. The ending was realistic, which is great and all, but I like also my just. Happy-go-lucky musicals, but like you don't really see those anymore. It's true. I feel like Disney animated films have like sort of got a monopoly at this point on musical films, which it's a shame because I really like yeah. old-timey Hollywood musicals. Yeah. And not like parodies of old-timey Hollywood. I mean, like no. musicals. 
Like, like I like yeah, The Greatest like Showman, but almost by default because it's just like the the only musical. Yeah, it's the only happy-go-lucky, non-novelly dramatic musical that came out. Like that's not also based on a Broadway show that came out since I don't know how yeah. long. Like, like can you really think, think about it? What was the last time a musical, a big musical, came out that wasn't a drama outside The Greatest Showman? I mean, yeah, I mean La La Land. Like, Kind of, but not really, because it has, like, the realistic ending. And right. Then, also, La La Land, while it is a phenomenal musical, um, one of my favorites, but it also, like, isn't a musical for at least half of its runtime. You see, yeah, I read an article, I, I actually fully agreed with it, that even though La La Land is a better film than The Greatest Showman, The Greatest Showman is a better musical than it. Right, I mean, it's definitely, like, a more traditional musical, for sure, because, mm. like, The Greatest Showman tells its story through its songs. Yeah. Well, La yeah, La that's Land, what I mean. La La you Land could cut out all the songs out of La La Land. Right, exactly. You La still La La saw it. La La Land is just a great drama that they threw some amazing yeah. musical numbers into. Let's, um, let's, let's get a little bit back on topic. So back yeah, to let, let's, uh, let's try and uh, bring this home here. Uh, any other thoughts about... You know, the Maltese Falcon? Well, here's one thing that's at least related to the Maltese Falcon. You know what I'm shocked is? You can't buy, you can't buy a cheap Maltese Falcon replica online. I'm yeah, see yeah. the movie. I'm like, movie, I, I went to Amazon. And they want like $100 for it. I'm like, dude, I just want a cheap plastic thing. It's true. I, I, I definitely have not seen that on many, like, film lovers, like, replica shelves. <laughs> Well, I'm just a little surprised. Like, you know, I don't want, I want, you know, a miniature, cheap plastic one. Like, like you know, like a $20 one. But, like, cause I have to see them for, like, oh, maybe I can order it in time so I can get it by the time we film. But it's, like, $100. I'm like, I ain't paying $100 for this. Like, <laughs> that, it was a the budget for the whole series. And then some. Yeah, I used the budget for the series, but where am I going to get the other hundred dollars from? <laughs> <laughs> but just but charge yeah. the uh, the company card. <laughs> and it, and then also, but yeah, you know, do they make Funko Pops for classic films? Um, I'm pretty sure there's Wizard of Oz Funko Pops, but not. Ah, well, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz doesn't count because Wizard of Oz is like the most merchandise like old-timey movie in like the history of the world yeah i don't think you would find a maltese falcon uh, funko pop you could probably find a casablanca one though that 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 i think you might be able to find probably i'm i am definitely i'm i'm definitely gonna look this up after this the show show but i'm gonna look, I'm gonna look it up right now <laughs> um, i don't have my computer in front of me <laughs> you can uh, you, you talk Alright, so I'm gonna stall you while, while Mike does research that we probably should have done before filming, but we don't think ahead. We we think of this all on the spot. I bet you couldn't tell. It adds to the uh, improvisational uh, method of our show. Mm-hmm. And the credits even said, written on the spot by Mike and Jimmy. Now, if you Google Maltese Falcon Funko Pops, you just get Falcon and Winter Soldier Funko Pops. Well, of course. I, I'm sure when you, Google, you, when you Google Maltese Falcon merchandise, you get Millennium Falcon merchandise. Probably. Alright. 
can confirm there is at least a Rick from Casablanca. Funny See, I, I, I had a feeling there was him. Now, is it black and white? Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's exactly, yeah, there's two Funko Pops from Casablanca. Yeah, see, I, I, I thought they would have that, but but not the Maltese Falcon, because Noir, like I said, Noir just doesn't get love nowadays, and I don't get why. I love it. Yeah. And then, I mean, like, the closest thing you get, Neo-Noir, which I don't even know what that really means, to be honest. Like, like have you heard of Neo-Noir? Yeah, I feel like uh, when you're talking to the other you're talking about like more just like gritty uh, dramas or like dark take. I mean, to me, the other just means you have the emotional outlook on the world that noir like inspired. But with mm. none of the period piece aspect of it, because I feel like there's like two aspects to film noir. There's like Oh, we're like all wearing fedoras, and we're talking about femme fatales, and we're like, you know, you know, in the '30s and '40s and '50s. Uh, and then there's the aspect of like, oh, like humanity and and money, and like we're all just you know a bunch of germs, and life is meaningless. There's like that that dark outlook of film noir. <laughs> and so I feel like a movie like Killer Joe Cooper or like something like that, where it's like, all right. Uh, a dark take on humanity, but not necessarily, but like set in like the nineties or the two thousands. Mm. So, would, so what about like No Country for Old Men? Yeah, like that's a great mm. example. Because uh, I've heard that I think I've heard that referred to as a neo western, also too. Though. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. There, I do feel like there is some overlap between, mm. like, you could almost say that some westerns like you know, Fistful of Dollars, Man With No Name. I mean, really, what is the Man With No Name except, like, a film noir hero? He's just, oh. like, a faceless, you know, or a nameless man who has this, like, bleak outlook mm. and, you know, uh, has this, like, detached, uh, emotionless view of the world. Yeah. So you I know, definitely I... could see that. Well, another Western that's basically in the wall film, High Noon. Have you seen High Noon? I'm not familiar with that one, no. Oh, that's one of the best westerns of all time. Uh, and... Let's see, I... Mike, cover you, your ears, because I, I want to give away the ending, but I don't want to spoil it for you. So... So... Uh, it has a similar dark ending when he's not celebrated. He saves the day and everyone's like, get the fuck out of town. And it's the same idea, dark outlook on the world. Mike, you could, Mike, <laughs> you're good. Alright, so now, but you gotta see High Noon. It's a I'll, classic I'll western. It and it, it had, had actually a trouble, trouble production history because um, one of the writers was, what was his, the McCarthyism? He was considered a commie. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely look that up. Alright, so, I feel like we spend 90% of this episode talking about everything but the Maltese Falcon. But, what do you expect when you watch a, a podcast called Off Topic? For us to stay on topic? Yeah, well, I was going to say, it's hard because I, I don't want to get, you know, um, 
with with review episodes, it's difficult. Like I don't want to just regurgitate the entire plot. Uh, well, I, to to the audience, but at the same time, you know, I don't know. Is there any uh, other aspects of the Maltese Falcon that you think are, um, you know? Well, I want to know. The people in the forties actually talk like that. <laughs> um, I feel like the answer is like yes, but in a less like hammy way. The way that like you know. Like how British people talk, but like in like British accents. But like when you or I do like a British accent, we're not actually talking like British people talk. It's like an over exaggerated impression. I feel like uh, at least early film, it was like that. That just like they're doing like the American forties accent, but like turned up to eleven. Excuse me. But yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great film. Like, it's it's yeah. a classic. Okay, do you do you think it deserves its one hundred percent more than Citizen Kane? I, I don't know. Well, actually, to be honest, I I'm surprised Citizen Kane, Kane ever had a hundred percent. Like, mm-hmm. I think Citizen Kane is a better movie than the Maltese Falcon. But like, just because of how controversial the film it was. How the hell did it not get negative reviews? Right, like that's that's a good point. That's a good point. But <laughs> because well, see, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing about percentages of Rotten Tomatoes. Like they don't tell the like the whole story. Yeah, exactly. Like Paddington Two is actually technically um, the best reviewed film of Rotten Tomatoes. Now, yeah. I don't think anybody really feels it's the best film ever. It was no. just it's just such a film that nobody. But it's such a likable film that nobody hated it. That 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 was the thing. Right, exactly. Like, it, you know, that's why it's silly that people use the tomato meter to like judge films' objective quality because, you know, a movie that has, you know, a hundred thousand, you know, sixty-five percent is going to be ranked better than a movie that has you know, 99,999, 100%, and 120%. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's stupid. Like I said, I'm surprised Citizen Kane didn't get bad reviews at the time because it was such a controversial film. Yeah. Film. And, like, it makes sense padded in two has 100% because, I mean, I haven't seen the movie before. I see, oh, it's like, it's such, like, you know, adorably sweet movie. How could you not enjoy it? But I don't see anybody saying, oh, that's my favorite film ever. And even Trevor Noah on The Daily Show was saying this. In 20 years, are we still going to be talking about Patton 2? I mean, there's been a whole classes on films like Citizen Kane. Like, yeah. like they taught a whole course on it. In 20 years, are we even going to remember Patton 2? Like, and that's, that's the, the essential point that like, it deserves, Patton 2 deserves this spot at the most like film of Rotten Tomato because it's a film that nobody could hate, but that doesn't make you the best film. Right, well, it's true. I mean, those are, those are like two separate ideas, right? Like, the right. idea of like a movie being important versus like a movie being enjoyable. Like, if you're going to ask me which one's a better movie, Citizen Kane or the Maltese Falcon, I'm going to say Citizen Kane's a better movie. But if you're going to ask me, 
hey, Mike, you got to sit down and watch, you know, one of these five times in a row. Definitely, hands down, no question, I'm watching the Maltese Falcon because I love the movie. It's a more enjoyable watch. Yeah. You know, I like Citizen Kane, but I, I feel like Citizen Kane's more of an important film than, mm. like, an enjoyable film. And yeah. And kind of that, you could make that argument with, you know, Paddington 2, you know. And there, there are movies that are both. You know, I would argue, like, Toy Story is an enjoyable film and an important film. What? But I would say that also Maltese Falcon is both. Is both. I mean, is, that, is it as important as Citizen Kane? No, but it's still an important film in general. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you can teach a class on the Maltese Falcon. Exactly. So, yeah, it's an important... I mean, it, it's an important film. It's less important than Citizen Kane, but it's more enjoyable than Citizen Kane. Yeah, I agree. But, but definitely just a great film overall. And this Humphrey Bogart, like, just Humphrey Bogart, his acting in that. Uh, it's, like, it, it's like he plays the similar... Kind of guy, Casablanca, but you, you don't mind him doing the same character twice because he does yeah. it very well. Exactly. Alright, so, I mean, uh, we, we both know the answer, but just, just for the fun of it. One or, or fresh, Mike? Certified fresh on the Maltese Falcon. Same here. Great movie. If you haven't seen it already, why didn't you listen to me before, before when I told you to watch it? <laughs> but, but classic, great film. Do you want to give it a, an actual n number score? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I'd give it like an A-, minus. so I guess that, that would translate to like, I don't know, like a 9. Uh, I'll, give, I'll give it 9 Falcons. <laughs> 9 Falcons out of 10. Uh, I, I think we talked enough. Enough. What about you, Mike? I think we talked enough, too. You could probably edit this into something watchable. Just cut, <laughs> out all the part, cut out all the parts that we weren't talking about the Maltese Falcon and see what's left. Uh, so the, then, then we'll, we'll only have like three minutes, Mike. <laughs> Alright, so this has been Off Topic with Mike and JD, where we really lived up to the name today. <laughs> sure. I'm JD. I'm Mike. Adios.